Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Parenting Club. Hello and welcome to The Club, Hong Kong's parenting podcast with me, Justine Garrett. And me, Bab Bobthani. Nice voice. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like to think that it's my signature, that voice. Do you reckon? And me, Bab Bobthani. So if you're a new member of The Parenting Club, welcome. In this episode, we've got a guest on who's going to talk to us about sex and relationships. Bav. Do you think you're going to be able to handle this? I mean, when you said who was coming on and when you said what the topics were, my instant reaction was, oh, God, I'm going to either come across as a complete bellend. That's <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> yeah, not hard. Okay. Oh, another straight guy not understanding what it's like from the female perspective. <laughs> um, or, or it's going to just come out that um, actually uh, my relationship's in terrible trouble and, uh, and, and I've not... And I didn't know about it. So either way, it's not going to work out well for me. Uh, it's, it was my reaction. I'm super excited for this episode. I think it's going to be really interesting. Because it's something that everyone goes through and they don't really talk about. You which, know, which bit? Or like sex after kids, ki- um, relationship after kids. Right. Sex in general. Everyone has it. No one talks about it. <laughs> so no, it's, I mean, it's especially true. if you're British. It's yeah. like... <laughs> <laughs> You acknowledge this happened through the through the production of children, <laughs> but beyond that, it's. Do you think we need like a little warning, like a what a trigger warning? <laughs> Your explicit content. If you find the ideas of a chubby Indian man having sex <laughs> disturbing, I would recommend that you skip this episode. You can ask all your weird sex questions. I don't have weird sex questions. <laughs> I, I think I am and um, very very boring. Yeah. <laughs> in, well, in no, you area. need to have sex. To have sex questions. Right, yeah. yeah so, okay, it well, so I guess, you know, I mean, which of the two positions there are <laughs> is the most adventurous one? Oh, God. Already. Two? That's uh, a lot. <laughs> I just said two because I didn't want to just say one. <laughs> Sometimes switch the lights on. Oh, God. <laughs> yes. For your anniversary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, like, joking aside, I think this is going to be a good chat because, I mean, we could probably have a chat about it now, but it's difficult, isn't it? Once, once, once the kids come out, like sex after kids, it's it's it. Well, I mean, a it's different, but also you don't know how to approach it because you've seen what your wife has gone through or your partner has gone through, um, and again, I'm speaking purely from a male perspective here, 
and you see how much has has changed and been shifted and how long the recovery is and and at some point you you obviously want to have sex any time any second um but you, you also want to be sensitive and not put the pressure on and and you can imagine there are definitely relationships and definitely people out there who probably find that first like you know eight weeks nine three weeks eight, eight weeks nine weeks after after birth like saying well do we do anything do we maintain it like how do you broach mm. it and when is mm. the right time to and like it, it's you know, my wife and i've been talking about it as well like mm. you know it's been eight weeks just over since babylon mm. number three's popped out and it's like well from a woman's perspective yeah you feel a bit like touched out had a baby on you yeah feeding non-stop yeah like, oh, just like you just sort of feel a bit like Ugh, get off me yeah <laughs> and then you got your partner saying hey can i can i play with your boobies now <laughs> no, and you're going piss off <laughs> yeah. right like, and I, I mean i guess talk through that because I, from, a, from a guy's perspective hmm. i have I, I don't know what that's like yeah i mean i have it even now with my kids like when they're older like it's like everyone around you needs something from you yeah you know and you get a bit like oh can everyone just leave me alone and kids constantly touching you climbing on you if you're breastfeeding and the baby's on you the whole time yeah. obviously it can be like a beautiful experience but it's also you just sort of like oh can everyone just leave me alone yeah and also you'd sort of want your body back to yourself a bit yeah. you know you've sacrificed an, uh, 10 months pretty much right over just to another creature so you just sort of like oh yeah, yeah i mean I don't, know, I don't know if it's the same for every woman but that's how i felt at first so how long have you been married we've been married since like legally married since like 2000 and November 2010 so yeah 11 years right legally married oh okay and then we've known each other for like 14 years and how did you find your relationship changed after you had kids it changed it changed in the way that I didn't appreciate and I think I might mention this like in one of the earlier podcasts right but I think it's worth repeating in this one like I didn't appreciate how much of a change it's it made to my life and I didn't fully appreciate all the stuff that would I would no longer be able to do just because I fancied doing it because mm. I couldn't, mm. right? And it's also like the additional stress for, for my partner because she's the one having to, to breastfeed. She's the one who's taking the break from her career. She's the one that's at home all day. She's the one that's taking the mental load on mm. making sure he's alive, getting his mm. vaccinations done, taking him out for the jabs, taking him on play days, you know, socializing mm. him, all that mm. stuff. That's mental load, that mental mm. energy. Like I didn't mm. have any of that because I was going back to work. Mm. And... And I think over time, there is that, maybe it's not resentment, but there's definitely something that starts building up where you're not able to acknowledge what the other person's going through. And similarly, like I wasn't able to adjust to the fact that I was a dad now. Yeah. And that put a lot of strain mm. on yeah. on our relationship. Yeah, I can imagine. There's also double pressure for women because I know that I can walk down the street with, you know, a, you know with Babylon number three strapped to me, holding the hands of Babylon number one and two, and I know people look at oh look at that look at that dad look at that dad yeah. doing a great job there look at, look at him an absolute <laughs> motherfucking dill um, that sentence hundred percent accurate by the way motherfucking yeah. dill did everyone say that I know I I've just coined it I'm gonna take that um, but the, the, there's like you know but the low the bar for men oh. but being a dad a good dad is so unbelievably low it's so Whilst low the bar for mums. Same exact thing. It's like, oh god, yeah, there's a mum just just doing a mum thing. Yeah, yeah go on, move on the way, mum. Come, what are you doing? Like, th- <laughs> there is. I just find that yeah. must be. Do you know what I used to hate is when people, if I was out without my baby, mm. like, is dad babysitting? Yeah. No, he's just a dad. Yeah. He's just doing his fatherly right. role. 
Right. He's not a babysitter. <laughs> Such a good point. <laughs> For me, as like a very independent person, I did struggle with that. Yeah. Struggled with how my life changed so much where I'd see like uh, my husband going to work every day and continuing his, in his career and just having a life outside of... Because when you're at home with a baby, that's your bubble, that's your little life yeah. there. And then you're like, <laughs> when you see them go off to work, you're like, oh. Yeah. Oh no, I'm stuck here with the baby. What am I gonna do? Yeah. And um, when they come home, you just like throw the baby out there, <laughs> take it. <laughs> like in the in the UK, I did uh, for Babylon number one. I took um, three months off. So for so like um, I tapped. So my, Sonia went back after four months mm-hmm. to work. I tapped in at three months. So I took three. I took uh, four months to seven months age of the baby. So that's amazing. Yeah. So I stayed home for that's that. Bit. So cool. Yeah, it was it was great. It was great that my company allowed me to do it. It was great that the law had just changed that, allowed for yeah. that splitting of paternity leave and maternity yeah. leave in the UK. I think that's something we should talk about as well. Oh, for sure. It's barbaric in Hong Kong. Barbaric. In Hong Kong? Hong Kong. <laughs> Hong Kong. Hong Kong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, when I had my son, um, I think he had just been raised to three days. Just, just those like campaigns or posters everywhere. Three days paternity. And the maternity is terrible here. Yeah. I mean, compared to the US, where it's literally zero, um, you know, it's better. But I mean, it's still. I mean, it's, it's shocking. Yeah. And again, like when I took three months off, and again, it's just the low, the so pathetically low bar that dads have to pass in order mm-hmm. to be seen as a fucking hero. <laughs> yeah. But you know, me taking three months off was like, wow, look at this pioneer. Yeah. Like women are doing this literally every day. Yeah. And yeah. I'm giving a big applaud because I've decided that, yeah, my wife and I will split responsibilities yeah. on raising our child. I know. And and, but I mean, some countries, that's normal, isn't it? I mean, yeah. in the Scando countries. Scando, that's pretty. Yeah. I don't know why it's seen as like, whoa. It's so archaic. It's like. It is archaic. Yeah. It is archaic. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. So we have Valentina Tudos here today. Um, she's a dating and relationship coach, hypnotherapist and sexpert. Welcome. What a list. What a <laughs> list. Well, I like to collect titles. <laughs> but with those titles comes a lot of science and knowledge and uh, practice. So, you know, they're not just names. It sounds like a fascinating job. Like, can you just be, can you explain to us what exactly is it that you do given all those 
job titles that you have? Um, the way I would put it in the simplest terms is that I help people see themselves from a positive uh, perspective. And that really takes into account um, aspects of their childhood. And I address that through hypnotherapy to their current perception of themselves. Um, how do they really define themselves as a person. So this is from the perspective of self-love and confidence, um, which applies to men, women, inside and outside of the bedroom, at work, in our personal relationships and so on. And the last part is really how do we connect with other people? How do we create intimacy, again, on a physical but also on the on emotional level? So everywhere I'm looking to assist people in getting some sort of transformation and some sort of change in the way they see themselves so that they live a better life. Wow. It's kind of difficult to summarize exactly yeah. how that works. Yeah. How did you get into it? I googled it. <laughs> <laughs> no, for real. <laughs> I know it sounds like a joke, but... Um, uh, I used to be in advertising, so okay. I did. Uh, this is my third career, in fact. Um, and at one point in my advertising career, I was part of a conversation with people from my office, and someone asked, "You know, what would you do if you didn't do this?" And I don't know why, I don't know how this came to me, but I said I would like to be a relationship coach, and I had no idea that relationship coaching existed. So I went and googled it. And here I am, seven and a half years later. Wow. Awesome. That's so, so cool. So if that serendipitous conversation had never taken place, do you think you would be here? Is this something you're destined to do? I think it was a bit like a, a download. Right. You know, it, it really felt like I always knew this. I always knew that I, this was something destined for me. And actually, now that I look at the connections, you know, my name, my name is Valentina. Yeah. It's all about love. I actually have a heart. A, oh. a birthmark, which is a heart on my left oh, yeah. upper arm. So I think these are all signs from the universe that I'm supposed to be a love doctor and I'm yeah. supposed to help people love themselves more. Did you find before you did it professionally, were you helping your friends a lot to love themselves and helping them with, with their relationships? Um, I think before I learned my coaching skills, I used to be a little bit more of a bitch mm -hmm. in the sense that um, I always said things as they were. And that really does help uh, when it comes to coaching, because sometimes, as I was saying earlier, people need to be shaken out of their delusions. Yeah. And um, when it comes to relationships, we do live in a lot of uh, fantasy land, you know, like very often women in particular um, were telling me that, oh, you know, I can't have a relationship because uh, there's no one that I want. There's no men in Hong Kong. I was like, really? There's no men? Have you been outside on a Friday night? It's like a sausage fest. <laughs> <laughs> so there are a lot of people, but um, ultimately what is stopping us from getting what we want is this kind of set of beliefs that um, we want to confirm on a regular basis, right? If I believe that it's difficult to find love, guess what? I'm going to put a lot of difficult um, barriers in front of myself yep. because we'd rather be right than be happy. Oh, big point. That's a big point. That's a big point. Let's see if, if my wife agrees with us. <laughs> well, it's a proven fact. Yes. You, If you really think of any difficult situations in which you've insisted on, no, 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 this is how I see things and therefore that is right, you will notice that actually it's caused potentially a lot of unhappiness. Yeah. And if you just said, well, okay, let me see things from your point of view. And neither of us has to be right because right is not, you know, it's not like a pen I can give you. Here's right. Yeah. Right is a judgment and it's all about perspective. We, we experience reality through a filter 
and my filter is right for me. Your filter is right for you. Therefore, every meaning that we make of everything is right in that context for the person whose perspective it um, it describes. So do you find yourself like going in into into conversations where a lot of people are coming in with similar filters, I guess, to, to carry on with that theme? And, and, and do you find yourself kind of shaking people up to say there are different ways to look at this and society is telling you to look at it this way it's like how how, how I mean, I, I, does that make sense yes like following that that thread i think um definitely the the filters that you are referring to the similarities the patterns that i notice in people are actually nothing but the result of social conditioning of, right you know, what I call programming. And it comes from our familial background. It comes from our life experiences, which within one cultural set tend to be quite, you know, connected in some ways. Because if your parents behave a certain way, you're going to see how everybody around you are going to do the same thing. So through those unconscious uh, behaviors, we actually program each other Mm. constantly about how we want to see reality in a certain way. So... People do come with all these belief systems that are, you know, for example, single women saying there are no men in Hong Kong. There are no eligible men in Hong Kong. Now, of course, the concept of eligible is related to whatever their expectations are. And if everyone is looking for Prince Charming, well, yes, there are not many Prince Charmings (laughs) lying around that you can find. But um, what I like to focus on and this kind of shaking people out of their delusion is really to help them see that if you only look at reality from that narrow point of view and continuously unconsciously prove yourself right, well, your reality is never going to change. Mm. Wow. Can you tell us more about your clients? Like what is your general, do you have like a kind of a pattern? Is it women? Is it men? Is it couples? Is it? Um, I would say I have chosen to work primarily with women. Okay. Um, But there are two reasons for that. One, because um, most people misunderstand the idea of coaching and everybody, or not everybody, I'm generalizing, but many people, when I tell them I'm a relationship coach, their answer is, oh, I know so many people who would need your help. Of course, I'm fine. (laughs) I don't need any help, which tells me they need a lot of help. Um, So women tend to be a little bit more open to doing this kind of work of not waiting until they're in deep pain to go and fix the problem. Men, I'm sorry to say, I don't mean to generalize, but it is a bit of a pattern in our society because men are educated to man up, you know, and don't give in to anger, to depression, to sadness. Or even if you do feel sad, depressed and whatever, you shouldn't be talking about it because that makes you less of a man, obviously. Um, So there tends to be uh, more limitations or less men coming, uh, raising their hand and saying, hey, you know, I'm struggling with this. Although lately I've started to have a few more male clients who are kind of passing the message on to their friends that help is at hand and that you don't need to suffer in silence. Um, So primarily uh, I ended up working with women because I was passionate about this idea of helping women recognize that if they were having a negative life experience was largely due to this perception. Because at the time when I became a coach, I was in a relationship for 15 years. And yet I could see how there was a lot of options out there. Even uh, I was in an open relationship, so I had the option to to date outside of my primary relationship. But um, there was a lot of opportunity because I could see it. 
other people were telling me, no, I don't know how you find all these dates because I cannot find one guy. How can you have like three guys that you can date? So I re- recognized that, well, maybe this is because we see this, this, this particular area of life differently. Um, the second reason I choose not to um, work with many men, uh, specifically uh, single men, is because somehow men are the eternal optimists and they all try to date me. <laughs> <laughs> Even when I was in a relationship, they were still trying to date me. So, you know, I just kind of tried to save myself some trouble and not having to explain that there is a professional, um, there are professional barriers. And if I am your coach, no, you can't invite me for dinner. And no, you can't w- wish me good morning and good night like you would <laughs> someone that you want to date. So just, just to make things clearer, uh, I chose to, to make that a boundary. Man. Don't want you to look at me. <laughs> like, I could not be any less of an alpha male. <laughs> Christ, no. Like, I'm the one that, that said to my wife that we, we probably need to go to relationship counseling. <laughs> it's like, it's yeah, great. Probably, probably a good idea, actually. That's great. Yeah. Um, well, you got my number. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so progressive. Sure. Yeah. So, Bav's, he's married. He's got three kids. Um, and I'm single mum with two kids. So, we both got quite different life scenarios going on at the moment but we were chatting earlier about life after kids marriage after kids is that such a thing (laughs) i know i'm kidding bav was talking about you know how he was trying to understand his wife after she had you know kids and and them trying to connect after yeah after the childbirth process well, considering you've, you've managed to make it to number three, yeah. it means that you have reconnected because otherwise, you know, you wouldn't have had sex twice afterwards. Yeah, right. Yeah. So I would like to hear that story. Well, it's well, I guess it's more about using that as an opportunity to talk about this in a more broader perspective, like from your perspective and the clients you've met. Um, yeah, after the first one was born, like I struggled to come to terms with being a dad and it took me a year to come to the terms that I was now a dad. And that means I can't just go out drinking. I can't just go out because I want to go out. My life has now fundamentally changed in a way that I was not happy with mm. and genuinely wasn't happy with it. And that took a while to just first realize that and then acknowledge it and then move on. We they, we had a couple of other stumbles when the second one came on and that's when we had to take relationship counseling. But I guess I guess just as an opening up there, in, in the clients that you meet, what are those common things that challenge the relationship after a child is born? Well, I believe that there are two areas of our life which are absolutely fundamental to our development, which we are absolutely not prepared for. Right. And one is being in a relationship and two is becoming a parent. All the education that we you know, that is inflicted on us as we are growing up actually avoids these two areas of life completely, right? Thank God these days some schools are starting to to teach life skills, which is amazing. And I'm so excited to be part of that movement. But um, essentially what you are describing is what most people are going through. And one of my favorite quotes about um, how children affect a couple's life is from Esther Perel. Um, she's a relationship um, expert, you know, the most famous relationship yeah, my expert. A big fan. <laughs> and um, she wrote this book. Her first book is called Mating in Captivity, yes. which is a beautiful book. And in that book, she talks about the fact that children are, in fact, a catastrophe to each relationship. And that doesn't mean that, you know, they are destroying your life in every way. But I think what children do destroy 
is what I call the lover's bubble. Mm-hmm. The that kind of the little fantasy that we live in when we meet someone we love thinking, oh, you know, we are just so connected. We, you know, there's like two minds uh, merged in one and there's this like happily ever after myth that we are again programmed to believe in. And what we don't realize is essentially when a child comes into the world, as we were talking before we started recording, they're not really the band-aid that we were hoping they're not they're not there to fix a relationship in most cases it requires a dramatic change um that the couple needs to consciously make in the way they see their relationship so the biggest thing is an attitude and a mindset um transition that needs to happen and honestly this needs to happen before you even consider building a family together yeah right because I was talking to to a client this morning um she's in her 20s and I was saying that in my premarital coaching program which is designed with people who are thinking of getting married I actually have a a questionnaire with 117 questions that couples need to really think about before they decide to get married now in general because hollywood has put these ideas of you know boy meets girl they go for coffee and they suddenly you know happily ever after and all that stuff we ask very few important questions about how is our life going to be after we get together if we do decide to be parents how are we um how are we going to raise our children do mm-hmm. what kind of values do we want to teach our children and how are we going to demonstrate those values to our children because in the first 7 8 years of a child's life they don't really listen to what we tell them how they learn is by looking at what we do forget about what you tell me mommy and daddy if you're going to be doing certain things i'm going to mimic that because children are like that um so i think this is the biggest challenge that couples are facing and what i see a lot um obviously like i mentioned people tend to not come to Uh, a therapist or a counselor or a coach until they're in a lot of pain. Yeah. Which means the relationship is almost on the brink of, you know, um dissolution or whatever. And um often people say, well, you know, we chose each other because we thought we would make great parents together. We chose I chose this man or I chose this woman because I thought he or she would make a good mother or father for my children. And that's all good and nice, but when they got together, they had very different expectations of each other or their life they had very different things in common and like you said you know it really sucks when you have to kind of suddenly not go out with your mates and not do your you know football because there's a little baby that needs to be taken care of and you have responsibilities now mm-hmm. and i think this transition from being a carefree you know whatever man woman in your 20s 30s to suddenly being responsible for a human life mm-hmm. is just something so mind-boggling that people take a long time to to get used to that idea that now I have to be a responsible yeah. person. I think people underestimate how much of a seismic shift it is. I mean, it just because it seems like that's the route you go in life. You get married and you have kids and you know that's the lie we've been all told. Yeah, yeah, and then you do it and you're like, "Oh my god, why didn't nobody tell me it was this hard?" And maybe they did tell us and we didn't listen, but I no one tells you. No one tells <laughs> like like one of one of the jokes I have in my stand-up set is that, you know, parents go around telling non-parents to have kids just so their lives become as miserable as ours. Yeah. Exactly. Right? It's like yeah. a Ponzi scheme of misery is what it is. <laughs> and that's that, that I I swear by it. like I don't I don't recall anyone saying this oh it's a beautiful thing you should definitely do it but to your point uh, Valentina I think 
we just gloss over the fact that you are just normalizing trauma. And this is so horrifically difficult to get through. It is, and it's it starts like with the pregnancy, all the stuff you go through as a woman when you're pregnant. The childbirth is traumatic, and I don't care what anyone says. It pretty much, it is traumatic, like for both the mother, yeah, the child, and also the father, yeah, exactly. who these days has to actually watch, yeah. And then the newborn state, all of it is difficult, and I just think that people don't, people definitely gloss over how how yeah. difficult it really is. Um, and how the toll it takes on your relationship, no matter how strong you are, it's going to push you and test you. And I think we don't, I mean, I talk about this a lot um, in the work that I do, helping parents trans, uh, this in this transition from, you know, lovers to parents. Like if I work with a couple who are preparing to have a child, I talk to them about this fact that essentially pregnancy is like a reprogramming of our primary commands in life, right? So if we were little robots that mm. Mother Nature has programmed for different tasks, before we uh, become parents, our primary command is procreation. Yeah. So what our entire body is doing, our brain is literally looking for partners to have babies with. Like if we were at still an animal stage, we'd all be running around a savanna trying to find our next shag <laughs> because that's what Mother Nature wants us to do. But then when we get there, when we found that one perfect DNA match for ourselves that is going to guarantee that we're going to create the most perfect baby in the world, everything changes. It's like literally our programming changes from procreation to protection because suddenly we have this little helpless human that takes at least two to four years to become vaguely independent. And practically, they never become truly independent if you think about it. <laughs> to some extent, or at least it takes at least 20 years. So especially on, a, on the female body, because uh, the woman undergoes so many like chemical, biochemical changes to prepare for that body to grow inside of her, it essentially rewires your brain. And for the, the father, is like, well, hang on a minute, this is not the woman I married. Right. And she's not. She's a completely new person. Mm -hmm. So when a woman changes from, you know, uh, just a female of the species to to a, a mother. Um, this transition is extremely traumatic for her. It's extremely traumatic for the partner. And if you don't know that it's going to happen, of course you're going. Your expectations are going to be like, well, why can't it all be like before? Why can't we just continue? Because I thought we are having this child to prove our love to each other. Where's that? Yeah. What is that even looking like these days? Because. You give me the cold shoulder every single day. You shout at me for dropping the child on its head or whatever. I mean, that's a fair shout, though. I think that's, I think that's fair enough to shout at someone for dropping the child. Well, you know, that's why most parents, most fathers that I talk to are absolutely terrified or even touching the child, yeah. uh, which puts a lot of anxiety in the, in the relationship. Yeah. Have you ever seen um, a father almost being jealous of the baby or how much attention the baby gets? Of course. Instead of him. Of course, I think, I think the the trauma for the father is the fact that you know suddenly he's like the third wheel. Yeah. You know everything that he used to get in terms of affection, attention, being prioritized, being important, feeling loved, all of that stuff is gone because all the young mothers that I know, or you know, mothers of young babies, they tell me, "Well, you're an adult. Meet your own needs. I don't have time. I don't have energy for you." And for the poor man, it's like, well, hang on a minute. That's not what I signed up for. Mm -hmm. And it's true. Mm. 
Because when we get into a relationship, we think that we're going to have guaranteed sex, guaranteed intimacy, lots of cuddles, foot massages, and, you know, gin and tonics when we get home. <laughs> well, guess what? If the baby needs feeding every hour, there are no gin and tonics that I'm making yeah. for anybody. Yeah. yeah, you're not getting a foot rub tonight. Definitely not. <laughs> so it is very traumatic. And I actually, I call this the baby blues. Um Because I think it is a very depressive time for, for fathers. And like now people talk more about postpartum depression and how traumatic that is for the mother. And of course it is because suddenly she's changed everything about her life. But I think it, it's serious for men as well because there is a feeling of abandonment and, and loss and grief maybe for for the relationship as it used to be. Right. And this baby literally becomes a barrier between you and your partner and to to overcome that barrier and to to rebuild that connection and the intimacy that you had pre-baby you need to do a lot of work and most people don't realize that so i'm I've, i'm going to make some notes now because i feel like this is the part of the conversation mm -hmm. that i need to really pay attention to you can listen to They're it can listen to it again and i'll play it back <laughs> once it goes live but you, you preempted the question i was going to ask which is what 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 do we need to do from a men's perspective right the baby's out mother's got baby all over her i think justin you used the term before but over touched or touched, touched out touched out yeah and my wife like i mentioned to my wife at lunch that we were going to have you in and she said the same thing it's like look i'm touched out i got the baby on me all the time it wants my boobs and it just you know you and then then you're coming in at wanting stuff it's like i don't have i don't have the the, the emotional energy to want to do that of course so how how what can men do really what can men do to help their partners at this stage to To, 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 I guess, rebuild that intimacy and get them wanting to have, have, have sex? I think the most important thing... <laughs> I can't <laughs> well, think true. of another way of having sex. Like, <laughs> What's uh, the question? Having, having more intimacy. I don't know. <laughs> well, that, you just, you just gave yourself the answer because yeah. um, I think there is this fundamental difference in, in perception between men and women when it comes to what keeps us together. And I like to call sex relationship glue because... Of course, in the beginning, that is a natural thing, right? We Mother Nature gives us last, so that's something that it's a given, right? We don't have to work for it. We don't have to think about it. You just look at your partner and you want to rip their clothes off, and that's kind of done. But when we move into the third phase of love called attachment, our entire biological response to the other person changes. So instead of being flooded with sex hormones, we are flooded with satiation hormones, with prolactin, with serotonin, with uh, vasopressin and with oxytocin, which are all hormones that create this desire to protect, to, you know, like to stop um, the procreation part and to, to deal with what you have. So The sexual desire, especially after birth, is dramatically uh, decreased for that reason, because the woman's brain now produces all these hormones, which are all about bonding with the child to protect the child, which is a lot of oxytocin. And physical touch causes oxytocin, which is this idea of touched out, right? So if the baby is attached to your boob all the time, you're producing a lot of oxytocin, which naturally bonds you chemically to that baby you, so you can't drop it and kill it which is why you don't want to give it to the husband because he's not bonded with it outrageous <laughs> this, this male generalization here well, I, I actually love the fact that so many fathers these days are very hands-on and I know fathers who stay at home and take care of the children and the mother goes to work and so on which is wonderful um, but in order to um, bring back the spark after pregnancy I think men would really um, Um, need to understand that um, for women, intimacy comes before 
physical, emotional and intellectual intimacy comes before physical intimacy. So if a woman is breastfeeding and doing the dishes and you suddenly go behind her and tap her on the back in that way that you know is the is the signal. I, she, she's nodding because every woman knows that signal, <laughs> oh, yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, but you know that kind of touch, you know, yeah. and there's like this little yeah. pat. Yeah. It's all about timing and it's all about like wait listen we we've been arguing over who takes the rubbish out or something we haven't actually talked you haven't asked me how i'm feeling you haven't asked me what's going on so there there hasn't been a conversation there hasn't been any connection on an intimate personal level and suddenly you want sex i'm sorry that's not how it works mm. so actually in i think in the first nine months of um, you know, postpartum situation, it's more important for you to be there to support your partner, to not be like the, you know, the left out child that is like yeah. grumpy in the corner going, oh, you don't give me any attention. Yes, of course, it's natural that you, you feel that desire, but you're the adult who actually needs to know how to control that emotion. Right. Because imagine that, you know, how old are your children? Seven, four and two months. Right. So they will be very demanding your wife's attention, yes. even though maybe the seven year old is more independent and so on. But when you have this much energy that is demanded of you of all this and suddenly you're like the fourth child. In fact, all the women I know when we talked about their husband, they say, yeah. I feel like I have two children. One is my husband and one is my actual child. Right. So I think the the answer to your question is don't be another child in the sense that act as if you are there to support your partner yeah. ask her hey what can i do for you what can i do to make you feel better you know maybe it is me taking the baby for 5 minutes so you can actually i don't know go to the bathroom and yeah. do whatever or wash your hair or you know proactively do that don't wait for her to say for god's sake you're not helping me yeah. <laughs> around the house because i think in those moments what the woman needs to know is that you are there to help and protect her, not to demand more of what she cannot give you. Sure, that makes a lot of sense. And then sex will come. Yeah. If if you are there for the woman and if you show her that is important and that you prioritize her needs instead of your need, yeah. <laughs> um, she will definitely get to, to the point of, okay, well, you know, ultimately the body will produce sex hormones again. But what tends to happen is that so much resentment is built in that situation mm. because the husband doesn't understand what the woman is struggling with, that by the time she actually feels the sexual desire, she's so upset with you for not being there and supporting her that she's kind right. of, you know, flipping the finger mm. because it's like, you know what, you haven't been there for me when I needed you and now you want me to to satisfy you. It's so interesting hearing this because I, I went through all of it myself and kind of blamed myself. Why don't I feel wanted like this, more why you know i thought that maybe there was something wrong with me but it sounds so chemical and so natural the it way you, the way you describe it and it makes so much sense yeah right yeah, yeah. the key take i say for me is like listen be proactive don't wait to be asked make sure you're making your partner feel cared for and as long as you're doing those things and just being there in a supportive way hopefully um sex will come it will come <laughs> yeah it will come because, you see, we're not designed to have just one baby. Yeah. Right? And actually, if you read anthropological studies, it will show that, in, in fact, we are not a monogamous species. We are, um, what is it called? Uh, it's basically monogamous, serial monogamists. Right. In the sense that we are biologically programmed to find a partner, 
to stay with that, to bond with that partner, which is why sex is bonding, right? This is why we get attached to people. Um, so to bond enough with that partner so that, you know, we get pregnant. I hate it when people say that. We get pregnant. I suppose you do because both of you contribute, but it's like that. Yeah. Um, so that, you know, you, you uh, get to that point where you're procreating. And then it takes two and a half, three years for that child to be vaguely independent. So essentially the shelf life of a relationship, if we were still living in the jungle and we had not attached all the happily ever afters to it, it would be about four years. Okay. And already after the first year of, of a baby's life, the woman is biologically ready to procreate again because the, the first baby is old enough for it to kind of be independent. So to answer a little bit your questions, I think what's, what's the other part that is really interesting is to understand that the reason why we are pair bonded for this, even this short period of time is that when we kind of, if you believe in the theory of evolution, I know some people don't, but I do, or at least anthropology. This, this is a safe space, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard some people like, no, I don't believe in evolution. It's like, okay, it's fine if you don't. But anyway, so anthropologists have looked at why are we uh, so attached to our partners or why do we have to have this, you know, the one that is with us to, to build a, a family and to raise a child? If you look at most mammals, um, their babies become quite independent very quickly. Mm. You know, chickens, uh, I don't know, uh, baby cows, uh, baby horses and all that, yeah. you know, five minutes and they're out running. But actually, this is a, a kind of a side effect of our intelligence. So that got us into this pickle in the <laughs> sense that as we evolved to be more intelligent and our brains to grow larger, essentially we have to give birth sooner before the baby is fully developed because otherwise it wouldn't come through the vaginal canal. It would, the head would be way too big. And we know that babies' heads are bigger than the rest of their body, right? Mm. Because it has to have enough of the brain already built in. But it's not enough to to put the baby in a position to be independent. So now, unlike monkeys and other species where uh, babies, young babies are independent, the mother needs two hands to keep the baby safe. And, you know, if we were reversing back to being monkeys, if your two hands are, are busy with constantly keeping a weight that yeah. becomes bigger and heavier every single day, you can't pick things to, to feed yourself, you can't protect yourself and so on. So you need a protector. Right. So biologically, the role of the man in, in a in a male-female pair is really to be there the protector, the provider. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So this role that actually most feminists hate, the woman, you know, being the carer, the yeah. the nurturer, the the creator, and the man being the protector and the provider, actually is a biological role that is um, sometimes misunderstood. But the man is there to to keep both the mother and the child uh, fed and safe. So if you are protecting your woman and keep her safe and make sure that she can do her job in a way that does not stress the hell out of her, right. she will do her job. Yeah. And her job will be, okay, I protect this baby, but I also protect our, our space, mm -hmm. our intimacy, mm -hmm. our connection, because that connection mm -hmm. is very important to her. Yeah. She doesn't want you to run off and leave her alone. Yeah. So if you think about it that way, to me, it makes a lot of sense to to just be, for a short period of time, be the supporting act. Interesting. So fascinating. Oh, we'll have to have you back. Like, yeah. it just opened up so much. Yeah. So much thoughts and questions. And 
Yeah, just about how do you, like, again, selfishly from my perspective, right? It's, it's that thing of, like, well, you've got the eight weeks when you're kind of just being supportive and being as supportive as you can, but you still have needs and desires. Like, how do you act them out or how do you control them, I guess? I guess control. Like, what is what is that? And how do you have that conversation with mm-hmm. your partner? So many, not, not enough time, not enough time. So, Valentino, look, this has been an awesome chat. I think we'll have to have you back at some point. But for people who've been listening to this and kind of going, God damn, I need to speak to Valentina. How do they find you? Where do they need to go? Um, actually, Google. Um, I was listening to your podcast earlier about Googling everything. Like your your son will probably say, Google it. Um, so yeah, um, Google. My website actually is very easy to find. It's happyeverafter.asia. Happy, not happily. Okay. Uh, yeah. Just to be clear on that, uh, or on Instagram, my Instagram handle is uh, the real uh, queen maker. The real Ooh, queen maker. I like that. I like it. That that does sound like a drag consultancy, though. <laughs> <laughs> Are you already following them? <laughs> you know, I, I'm not. I'm not uh, gender specific. Anyone who wants to discover their inner queen, I mean, I oh, love it. That's such a great Yay. handle. The real, yeah. so real queen maker and happy, happy ever after. after. Dot Asia. Asia. Perfect. Okay. Great. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. It's been I a think real pleasure. Bav learned a lot. Oh, absolutely. I'll message you after this one and say, do what you said. <laughs> I got <Don't> late. Yeah. <laughs> How long do I got to wait? <laughs> but it's safe to say we're bringing her back for sure, right? Yeah, she was fascinating. Way more than I thought. I was naive to what she would bring to the table you know I didn't yeah. know if it should you know I didn't realize how much knowledge and knowledge of anthropology and humans that she had like I found it absolutely fascinating I'm, I'm with you on this one I really had like a one-dimensional thought what the other conversation was go and my god there were so many avenues so I, I didn't kind of begin like it was so intense like she is so full of information yeah. and she speaks with so much conviction and so much confidence you kind of left her going bloody hell she's, like I, I yeah. need half an hour just to decompress and I just know. absorb what she said she's so smart I always looked at my relationship after childbirth as like purely an emotional one I wasn't thinking you know this is the way humans are designed and yeah. it, it was just it was just like it blew me away listening to her yeah, no, that was it, because there was a part of it where you kind of think, oh, really? But yeah, I guess, you know, the way she explained it, there mm-hmm. are some fundamental, quote-unquote, male traits, quote-unquote, female traits, right? Mm-hmm. But I think I think what surprised me a lot, though, from from hearing about her and her, her clients was just mm-hmm. that house, quite a lot of those stereotypical gender divides seem to still persist in, in today's Hong Kong, and maybe that's mm-hmm. just a Hong Kong thing. Yeah, yeah. And I think for, for male partners, anyway, that it was really insightful about, yeah. like, how do we it's it's more about for us to to just accept that we're taking a step back mm-hmm. it's accept that we are no longer a priority in the relationship for the time being right and it's mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's for the time being yeah and the only way you're going to get back into the list of being a priority is by actually showing that you add value to the relationship and that mm-hmm. is by listening supporting and providing mm-hmm. right do those three things at the at the at the bare bone minimum yeah your wife's in for a treat now. You're going to be so nice to her. I mean, thankfully, the delivery budget is huge. So, <laughs> thank you, delivery. <laughs> we should get them on as a sponsor. We should do. Can you talk about them a lot? I feel it. Well, look, thank you so much for listening. Um, this has been The Club. 
Hong Kong's premier uh, parenting podcast. Yeah. If you want to find out more from us, find us on Instagram at the at HK Parenting Club. Yeah. Justine's nodding. Yeah. Um, and if you Google us, you'll probably find it that yeah. way as well. Yeah. But we've got more episodes coming up in the can, which I cannot wait. Yeah, I'm Cannot excited. wait for you yeah. guys to find out about. So yeah. thank you so, for, so much for listening. Thank you. Bye. 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 Parenting Club. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.